now headed to the ring from Orlando, Florida, at a combined weight of, what, really? Never mind, the Top Rope Wrestling Podcast. Good evening and welcome to another edition of the Top Rope Radio Podcast, Top Rope Wrestling Podcast. Radio I keep podcast. doing that. I don't know. <laughs> I, apparently I want to be back doing radio again. I guess so. <laughs> so um, I'm here. I'm Rick and uh, Drew is over there in the chair. I'm here as always. And uh, today on the phone we have John Crowther, uh, comic book writer and uh, wrestling historian among yep. other things. Um uh, let me just uh, let me pull him up real fast, and we'll uh, we'll go talk ahead. Talk some wrestling. We will definitely talk some wrestling with him. John, how you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, can you just give us a quick bio of uh, of what what you do, so that uh, everybody okay. else can know? Yeah, absolutely. So you probably already. I don't know if you said my name or not, but I'm, I'm John Crowther, and I am a freelance uh, comic book writer. I've written several series for Antarctic Press. Um, I just just found out today. I've actually now can say I'm a freelance writer for Heavy Metal. So nice. I've got a story coming out in their uh, their upcoming holiday issue, and I'm probably known by most people as a writer of a bunch of authorized biographical wrestling uh, comic books for a bunch of the old <clears throat> wrestling superstars, WCW and WWE, from back in like the 80s, 90s. I guess I've got a couple that go back as far as like the 60s, and that's that's for Squared Circle Comics. Nice. What uh? What got you into uh? How'd you how'd you get started with writing about or doing comics about wrestling? Well, I had, you know, I talked to you before when we first met. I had just finished a series called Rochelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a superhero comic about a cockroach girl mm-hmm. for Antarctic Press, and I kind of learned quickly that a lot of wrestlers are also comic book fans because I had a mutual friend with um a gentleman named Nikolai Volkov, who most people I'm sure have heard of mm-hmm. if you're a wrestling fan. And uh, he apparently had had seen the Rochelle book, and he really liked it. So he asked if this guy could put the two of us together. So I had a phone conversation with him, and he told me, he said, you know, because I've always wanted to do a comic on my life, and I've had several people approach me on it. But and whenever we talk about it, it never gets done. So I told Nikolai, well, I can promise you if I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to get it done. So we got to work on his, and that's the first one that came out. And then he, he started introducing me to people. He introduced me to uh, Bruno San Martino at WrestleMania in uh, Orlando. And it just kind of, you know, kept kept spiraling from there. I don't know if spiraling is a good word. I guess kind of growing from there. Kind of went up and started meeting other guys. And they introduced me to someone else and just kept going. So um, when uh, when did your when did your love of wrestling start? Oh, God. <laughs> I would say probably in the mid-70s. Um, I was probably about five years old or so, and I would hang out at my great-grandfather's house, and he was a huge wrestling fan. And I can remember, you know, barely being able to walk, but I could remember laying on the floor, sitting on the floor, and my great-grandpa Edge screaming at television sets, shaking his, shaking his fist and this and that. You know, you know, <laughs> kids see that, and you kind of jump in and, and, and like it too. And yeah, I, I just loved it. So I think ever since then, I, as far as I can remember, yeah, I remember my grandmother as a child yelling at some guy to rip his head off. And yeah, my grandmother was a massive <laughs> yeah. wrestling fan. It was strange, but funny. Yeah, nonetheless. yeah, that was like Grandpa Edge. I mean, he, he was a huge fan of uh, Wahoo McDaniel. I remember that. Yeah. And uh, 
just really, really kind of sucked me in. And then I loved it. Then any, you know, anytime I could catch it on TV, of course it was different wrestling then. It was back in the territorial days. Right. So that's when they had championship wrestling from Florida. And, uh, you know, so I would, I would watch that religiously. Um, and then later on in life, I guess I was probably a, a teenager was when they started having the, um, I get, was it Saturday night main event? Yep. Yep. And then I think that, that, superstars that, that, that of wrestling. That was our first taste of really seeing the WWE on TV down in Florida. Yeah, and then they had uh, superstars of wrestling on Saturday mornings. Yeah. But the nice thing about that was back in the FCW days, you could go to you know almost every small arena in the area would have a wrestling event like every Saturday. Oh, so oh my god, yeah, house shows all over the state of Florida. It was fantastic. I mean, armories, high schools, these shows were everywhere. And and I was talking to guys before. I mean, that was when a lot of the wrestling magazines were more prevalent because obviously there wasn't internet back then. So you could, you'd have, I'd have friends that lived in other states and they'd be telling me about their wrestling, you know, heroes that they liked. And, uh, but you wouldn't see them wrestle. You'd only read about them in magazines. Mm-hmm. And it kind of made it fun because you could like, you know, track who was ranked in the AWA and the WWF and, and, and NWA. It was, it was just a, it was a really fun time for wrestling. So um, who are some of the other books that you've done uh, biographies on? Okay, well, the first one obviously was Nikolai's. We followed that up with the first of a three-part series for the Killer Bees. It was Brian Blair's book. And in fact, we're going to probably be wrapping his up you know, sometime here early in 2020. And then we did um, Hacksaw Jim Duggan's first book. His second one is going to be coming out, I would guess, sometime in January. Mm-hmm. We did a one-shot for Lanny Poffo, um, for anybody listening who doesn't recognize the name. He was the Macho Man's. Yep. Younger brother. The genius. Um, yep, the genius, or uh, Leaping Lane. Yes, yeah. There's another moniker he went by. Um, we did one for Bobby Fulton, who was pretty well known in the NWA territories as one half of the Fantastics. Um, we did a one-shot for Jack Swagger, who's now an MMA fighter, going by his real name of Jake Hager, yep. yes. which which did pretty well. And AEW now. Um, He's back. He's yeah, back in the yeah. Ring. That's right. AEW. That's right. He's in AEW. He's kind of like the muscle. Yeah. Of yeah. AEW. It's like the Kevin Nash. No. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I guess. Uh, and then they got. Uh, and we signed some of the Glow Girls. If you remember Glow from back in the eighties, mm-hmm. uh, we signed some of the Glow Girls. And the first one of those we did was for Pat- uh, Patricia Summerland, who was California or Sunny the California Girl, and uh, her one shot came out. We're going to do Hollywood's next. Okay. And uh, we just wrapped up a large one shot for uh, Rocky Johnson, uh, father of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Right. Great book. I mean, if I could recommend, if I had to pick other than Nikolai, the Nikolai's will always have a special place for me. But if I could pick one other than that, it would have to be. I think Rocky's is really well written. Oh, and I, I'd be negligent not to mention uh, Bruno San Martinez. Right. Who um, we got the first issue done. Second issue was written, and the art I think is probably about eighty percent done right now should be coming out pretty soon um when you did bruno's did um did you start it before or after he had passed away oh it was uh, it was all completely written and the scripts were all approved by bruno before he died okay so he you got to did basically like when you were doing research for it did he kind of sit and tell you his story or did you kind of look it up oh yeah yes kind of how it works with all these guys i do telephone interviews with them unless they live locally right so i spent hours on the phone with bruno and, uh, in fact, I think he's one of the last saved voice messages on my phone. I couldn't bring myself to delete it, oh, yeah. but, uh, 
Yeah, so he great guy. I mean, one of the nice. It's, it's almost like you meet this. You, you, when I met him, it was almost like I'd known him for years. Yeah, such a warm individual. And funny story I like on Bruno. Um, the first time I ever talked to him on the phone, I I met him in Orlando, <clears throat> but he he pulled a, a regular wrestler rib on me. The <laughs> phone rang at about four o'clock in the morning, and I had saved his name into my phone. So I look over my cell phone ring. It says Bruno San Martino. So no way in hell I'm going to miss the call. <laughs> so I grab the phone. I'm like, hello, Bruno. And he's like, Hey, John is Bruno. He's like, Nikolai says I can call you anytime. Is now okay. I said, yeah, I guess. Okay. Good night. And he hangs up. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> So, you know, what do you do? It was a fun rib. He just, I guess he solidified he could call me at any time if he wanted to. So, uh, fun guy. Yeah. Fun guy. So, what do you, how do you, like, when you're doing the, uh, when you're, when you're actually writing the scripts and everything, how do you decide, like, what mm-hmm. you're going to put in? Because it's, uh, the, the books aren't like, you know, 300 page novels. Yeah. So, how do you decide what you're going to keep in and what you're going to kind of take out? Well, I, I, I get a lot of input from the wrestlers. I mean, I'll sit down. Some of the questions I have are pretty standard between all of them. You know, I'll, I'll ask them to them, what were the standout matches of their career? Mm-hmm. And then obviously when I'm, when I'm writing, there are some that stand out to fans. So I try and focus mostly on the ones that, you know, if it's a premier match, like say if I were doing a Ricky Steamboat, there's no way I would ever miss Steamboat's matches against like Flair and, and Macho Man. Right. I and mean, these obviously have to be in there. But then I also want to grab any matches that to them were important matches because to fans, what we may see as the most important match in their career, maybe isn't necessarily the most important match in that particular wrestler's career. Right. So for instance, when I started talking with uh, Bobby Fulton, the match he really wanted to have in there was a match he had when he was only 17 years old. It's the first time he ever stepped foot in the ring. Right. You know, and no fan probably, unless you were sitting in that Ohio parking lot, you know, you know, 50 years ago, you uh, or 40 years ago, you, you didn't know anything about this match or even the guy he, he fought. But to him, that was like a, a really important step in his career just because of how it, how it evolved and, and such. But uh, so that's how I do it. I mean, it's, it's the things that I saw or, and I know that fans are looking for, plus direct input from the wrestlers on what they want in there. And uh, you said that Nikolai had, had requested to, to meet up with you. How do you meet some of the other wrestlers that you did, like, say, Hacksaw or someone like that? Uh, a lot of it's word of mouth. Um, Hacksaw, I guess the guys in the, in, in squared circle, they live up in Alabama mm-hmm. and I think he was doing a show in, uh, in Alabama and they took him a copy of, of Nikolai and he said he liked it and he wanted to talk to me. So that's kind of how that one got rolling. Um, down here, there's a lot of guys that live in Florida, like Brian Blair's down here and mm-hmm. Lanny's down here, Jake Hager's down here. So a lot of that happened because I, you know, I'm good friends with Brian Blair right. and I attended and still attend a lot of the legends luncheons. So, you know, he introduced me to a lot of people. One of the funny ones, I remember Rocky Johnson's how I got to introduced to Rocky. I was actually at a Leg- legends luncheon talking to Brian and I hear, Hey, Hey, come over here. <laughs> so I turn around, and of course it's Rocky sitting at the table and I'd never met him. And I so I'm, you know, I, I come walking over. I'm like, yeah, he's like, you write comic books, huh? I said, yeah. He goes, well, how come you don't want to write mine? I'm not famous enough for you. So that's kind of breaking the water with or breaking the ice with Rocky. And from there, you know, we hit it off. Now we're great friends. We do 
we do shows, you know, probably at least once or twice a month and, uh, and talk, you know, at least weekly. Great guy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've made some really nice friendships out of it. Yeah. I think the last con that I saw you at, you were in between either Rocky and the guy from, uh, the Godfather or Gangrel and the guy from the Godfather. I can't remember the order. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That probably was Daytona. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. I had Gangrel with me and I had Rocky and I had, uh, Paulie from the Godfather. Yeah. Uh, do you bring Take the... the guns, leave the cannoli? Yes. <laughs> I was, there was a there was a large debate between me and my friend that were there uh, as to whether he yeah. was the cannoli guy or not. Yeah, he's the cannoli guy. <laughs> uh, it, I, what a, what is it like to go through life known as the cannoli guy? <laughs> I tell you, he's he's embraced it. I mean, he's got bumper stickers, he's got T-shirts, he's really embraced the whole cannoli, yeah. the whole cannoli concept. He'll be in he'll be in the land actually. Yes, I'll I'm, be doing a show. That's my next one. This to kick off the the, the new year. Uh, January 12, I'll be in the land with Bugsy McGraw, and uh, and and Mr. Cannoli will be there with us. I I plan to so. go up and uh and uh, meet him this time. I didn't get. To, I yeah, was, you should. He's he's a really nice guy, and his, his wife Lori is a sweetheart. Yeah, I was I was at that Deland one uh, doing some interviews with with Bill Black, and uh, I yeah. just didn't get a chance to go up. So I had, I had to make time to go go get a, uh, a autograph from Gangrel because I really won't you know obviously I yeah. wanted to meet him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 and we got actually, and I should, I, I neglected to mention, we do have a Gangrel book. Uh, that's why one of the reasons he was there with me. We got a Gangrel book coming out in 2020 as well, and and I just made a call to him because we're, we're I'm starting on the script here soon mm-hmm. on uh, the Warlords one shot. Oh, okay, cool. There's, remember, yeah, from the Powers of Pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gangrel, he um, is his story kind of like through the Attitude Era, or is it just? like his whole backstory yeah well it part of that is his whole backstory about it he was part of the black hearts training up in uh up in canada at the heart dungeon mm-hmm. uh it, it it uh goes into oh all of that i mean him a lot of his time he was wrestling in puerto rico and uh his marriage to luna it touches it touch, you know really it's a good it's probably about a 35 page book so we try and touch as many aspects of his career as we can. It, it doesn't go as much into the WWE because again, like I said, I talk to these guys and find out what to them stands out the most in their career. Right. So we definitely have a little bit of WWE in there, but if you're looking for a WWE book, you're not going to get it in game. Right. It's cool. Though. Yeah. But it's nice to know like his backstory. Yeah. Cause all, most people, all they know about him is Gangrel. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we like we do we do series where we'll deep dive into like we'll do our own research. Unfortunately, like we don't have the connections to get all, everybody on yeah. and things like that. So, <laughs> but we we do we'll go and we do deep dives. We call it off the top rope yeah. with whatever. And like yeah. we, we did, we haven't done Gangrel yet, but we did um, Luna. Luna. Yeah. So we got a lot oh, okay. of backstory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a lot of his backstory through her. So that was that was an interesting. Oh, absolutely. And, and he, uh, yeah, you'll learn all about how he became Gangrel. You know, he was the. He was the vampire warrior before he was ever Gangrel. I mean, he was wrestling as the vampire warrior down in down in Puerto Rico. So that's kind of always been his you thing know. as the vampire. That's kind of well for a long time. For a long time, it was, and it was something. And, you know, you'll see it in the book because I know you'll buy the book, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he, it kind of they called it. It was like at a, uh, uh, like a baloney party is what these uh, wrestlers call it. But it was like at a baloney party when he came up with the concept. Hmm. Of, uh, so you can read the book. You can learn what a baloney party is. Yes, and how <laughs> Gangrel came up with the idea of being a vampire warrior. 
So if you had a um, like a dream person to do, like who who is the guy, the person that you would love to sit down with and either write a book or or a series of books if it's somebody that's been around for so long? Well, I just signed him. His name's Terry Funk. Nice. I they yeah. yeah I, I'm, so sure I'm really he has... excited about that. Yeah, I I, it, I have to say, over the years, I mean, I've had a few favorite wrestlers over the years. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed Blackjack Mulligan as a kid. Um, you know, I grew up on Dusty Rhodes just because he was here in Florida. But if there was one wrestler I really loved from year to year, I mean, from and really through promotions and everything, it, it was it was Terry Funk. You know, that guy is is he has reinvented himself so many times. You know, if you looked at his younger years when he was a world champion, up to his hardcore years, the guy really has. He's really changed along with the industry and kept himself relevant all those years. I was literally talking to him on the phone yesterday, and uh, he was laughing, and he says, you know, people still ask me why I'm not wrestling. <laughs> well, I mean, and here's a guy who's, who's literally pushing 80 years old. Oh, yeah. And, and, uh, and I think it's a combination of his, you know, his reputation and what he used to bring to the ring and probably a little bit of lack of interest and what's with the product that's out there now that people actually still would love to see Terry Funk step back in the ring. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's one of those men of lore too, you know, like he was, he's yeah. the original hardcore. Like I know that there were other people doing hardcore before him, but he's when it comes, when hardcore comes to mind, he's the first guy that I think of, Yeah, you know, at least no, as far absolutely. as the beginning. And, and like I brought up to him yesterday, when you think of wrestlers who crossed over into the movie market, I would say that Terry Funk was probably the first one who ever did it in a successful movie. Not to say that there weren't other wrestlers that crossed over and like no holds barred and stuff like that. But he was in, he was in like roadhouse. I mean, the guy was in movies that actually, you know, actually made some bank. It wasn't just, you know, movies that some, you know, wrestling fans were going to and dropping a little money or, or where wrestlers are dressed up in tutus dancing around (laughs) and such like that. He was actually, you know, playing some pretty cool roles in some pretty good movies. So when you uh, when you got that phone call from Terry, since he was like one of your favorites, was that was there a lot of nerves yeah. there? Or? Well, no. What happened with that one? I actually called him first. Okay. Um, I was given his phone number by another wrestler and who had spoken with him and said, "Just give Terry a call." And again, when I called him. I mean, I think probably by that time I've talked to so many guys that I don't it takes a lot to phase me. Oh, really? <laughs> so when he answered, it was just kind of like, I mean, I don't want to say I wasn't impressed, but I hear his voice. And that's the neatest thing is hearing these guys' voices on yeah. the phone. And you're like, holy shit, this is the guy that I used to hear <laughs> on TV, <laughs> you know? But I think and part of it is attributed to them. I think they're so used to meeting with fans and talking to people that they make it really easy. They make it really comfortable. Yeah. So he he just talked to me like he was an old friend. I mean, there wasn't any, you know, no attitude, nothing like that. So it made it really easy for me and, and easy to flow with the conversation. And he's like, it, you know, and, and this is a testament to Brian Blair. He says, if Brian Blair says you're a good guy, you must be a good guy. Let's do it. Oh, nice. And I'm sure he appreciates the fact that you uh, that you know some of his history before you actually sit down with him. You know, that, that probably yeah, helps. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, you know, honestly, I've heard that from some of the people who've read my wrestling books. So they say... You know, they've read some of the WWE books from Boom and some of the other books, books that have been out in the past. And they say the one thing they can tell when they read mine is that it's mine's written. My books are written by a wrestling fan, not by a comic book writer. Yeah. 
is, is, and that was probably one of the best compliments I ever got on the wrestling books. And it's true because I'm a wrestling fan first. I loved wrestling, um, you know, before I ever became a, a writer of comic books. How'd you, know, you... I, I, die hard. I just loved the stuff, you know? So to me, it's exciting to be able to rehash some of the old matches and for myself to even dig in and kind of learn a little bit about a little bit more about these guys. How'd you get into actually comic book writing? Cause I know like as a kid, everybody wants to be the guy who draws the comics, you know, or, or yeah, you know, I, and the guy who makes the comics, but most people don't think about being the writer of the comics. So yeah, how... well, see, I, always, I loved comics. I mean, I can remember being a kid and, and walk into my parents' office. I would always stop at one of those little Rexalls where they had the spinner racks mm-hmm. And, uh, and I would pick up, you know, my mom would give me like five bucks and that's when comics were like 75 cents or 50 cents a pop. So I could get quite a few and, uh, I couldn't draw for shit. So I had to, <laughs> if I had to do anything, I would have to write because I'm not an artist. I mean, I can scribble out some little cockroaches here and there, but you know, nothing that's going to do anything. And, and I always loved to write. I mean, I wrote from as long as I can remember, I was writing stuff, but I just never, you know, I don't know if it was a lack of courage or self-confidence to try and put anything out there until like five years ago. And five years ago, I did my first book and everything I've written since then has been published. I think it's been a, I've been blessed, you know, with a lot of luck, meeting a lot of the right people, um, working with a lot of very talented artists. And uh, it's worked out for me. So Rochelle was your first book? That was. Yeah, Rochelle was my first and and kind of a neat story on that. I had uh, my artist on that is a gentleman named Del Barris. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's been an artist on a lot of my books. He did the, he did the Nikolai book, the Killer Bees, um, quite a few stuff for me. And I had been a fan of his. He had broken into the industry back in the 70s, working on Savage Sword of Conan. And then he did a lot of cover art for uh, DC and the Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. And then he got into animation, and he was one of the uh, animators for Stan Lee on his Spider-Man TV series and on uh, Transformers the movie and some other stuff. So I just wrote him a letter and told him I had this idea about a cockroach uh, girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I've never had a problem with writing people. I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? They don't write back, you know? Yeah. So I wrote him this letter, and like three months later, I got this big package in the mail with some original art in it and his business card and a note. And it said, I love the idea. Give me a call. I'll come out of retirement and do it. So then I was kind of stuck because I had no idea how to write a comic book script. I'd never done it before. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I remembered uh, Crises on Infinite Earths, the first one, was a big favorite of mine. Yeah. So I, I looked up Marv Wolfman and shot him an email and explained who I was, what my predicament was, and he sent me a, uh, like a photocopy of one of his scripts. So that showed me how, like the, the, the basis of how to write a script just by kind of studying how he had done it, how he'd laid it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wrote the first one. Dell drew it. He was friends with uh, Bill Black, yeah. actually, who you're doing a documentary yep. on over at AC Comics. And uh, Bill liked it, showed it to Mark Heike, who is, uh, at least I think he's still the editor over there, him and his yeah, wife. Yeah, he, he actually and, runs uh, it What's that? He actually runs it now, Bill. Bill retired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought Mark was running it because he was running it at this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wrote me and said, hey, we like it. We'll run it for free on, as a flip book on FemForce. So uh, Rochelle, it was actually at that point, it was called Rochelle the Teen, Teenage Cockroach. And it ran as a flip book on FemForce number 170. Oh, cool. And, yeah. And, uh, and then Joe, you know, I learned this too, that the comic book industry kind of follows itself. And I've, 
I've, I've realized that now the more I've been in it. But uh, Joe Dunn with Antarctic, he saw it on uh, the back of FemForce, and they reached out to me and asked if I'd be interested in bringing it over to uh, Antarctic Press. And, of course, I was, yeah, yeah, of course I'll do that. <laughs> because because uh, FemForce was done in black and white then. I, Bill's just now bringing it back, or, or the Heikis are just now bringing it back in color. Yep. But at the time, it was just in black and white. So, you know, I was thinking comics. I don't always want to do black and white comics. I kind of like to get in color. So so we made the jump over in a whole bunch of sites. I remember sciencefiction.com was one, uh, comicsheatingup.net, a bunch of stuff. Picked this as the top uh, new indie comic back in 2015. Mm-hmm. We had really good sales. We were the first, from what I recall, we were the first like non-AP guy that wasn't like a. I don't want you know. I want people to look at this this, this word the wrong way. My daughter laughs when I say it, but it wasn't like a furry character. <laughs> you know, yeah. I know furries can have a weird connotation, but <laughs> but um, I get it, it may, and it gets know. the point across. Yeah, but you know, like Antarctic was doing like all these like furry type story kind mm-hmm. of things, you know. And Rochelle, I, and I kind of used that though when I I told him how we need to keep it going. I said, well, she's not a furry, but she's kind of like like an insect turned into a person, <laughs> you know, kind of like the same type concept. But it uh, you know, but it did well. And we came back. We did a second run in 2018. Got a, a still again a lot a lot of great reviews. And uh, then I got so busy with the wrestling comics and some other stuff that it's kind of been on hold. I, I don't know if you've heard of exciting comics that. Uh, Antarctic Press brought back. They, it's done really well. I, I was a writer on the first two issues of that. Um, Horror Comics, which is doing really well for them. I think we had issue two, we had 12,000 pre-orders on. Oh, wow. And uh, that one's doing really strong. And issue three is going to come out next year. It's just a, a short miniseries. So we've had a bunch. And then I've kind of picked up doing a lot of, um, you know, like joining in on on anthologies. I had a really nice short story I, I worked on with Rick Magyar that appeared in uh, an anthology for Unlikely Heroes Studios and a, a title, a book titled Elsewhere. And uh, got I've got another one coming out in their second issue and just kind of staying busy, you know, and, and kind of plugging along with these wrestling books. So are you able to, um, are you able to do like between the comic conventions and the books and everything is, the, is this pretty much turned into like your full-time gig? No, I'm a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so you have all this spare. So you have all this spare time to do you know all this other stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't get a lot of sleep. Trust me, I'm I'm a tired guy. But uh, yeah, I'm a sole practitioner. I run my own practice over in uh, over near Deland, Florida, and, and uh, I do get tired. But that's the nice part too. I mean, I think you know, no knock on art or, or writers, you know, I, but but that's what I am. But you know. Usually I can kick out a script a lot faster than an artist can kick out a, an art page. Oh, yeah. You know, so that's a, lux- that's a luxury of being a writer is I can – I probably right now, if I sat down and thought it, I could tell you an exact number. But I've probably got about eight stories being drawn simultaneously right now. Oh, wow. So do you – You know? Uh, when you do a – when you do like a – say like the Nikolai Volkov book, you, I know you had a particular artist that did that for you. But like you, mm-hmm. you send it in the squared circle and they – they get the artist to do it or do you have a guy that you directly work with or? Um, well, I'm, 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 I've gotten pretty close with the guys at squared circle. So, you know, when I initially approached them, um, they were actually, it, it's a, it's a small company called inverse press is actually who they are. And I had backed them on a Kickstarter project, a couple of them actually. 
And, and they were very, you know, just very professional, got their books out really fast, very kind. I mean, I just really liked what they were doing. So I actually approached them about doing uh, Nikolai. Okay. And uh, they liked it. We, I was already with Dell at the time. Dell had already drawn the first issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, they created Squared Circle Comics as an imprint of Inverse Press. They typically actually do horror comics. And, uh, and then we just kind of grew from there. They, they, knew, they knew the artist who worked on – actually, I forgot one of the books. They knew the artist who actually worked on uh, Hacksaw – and uh, Bruno, mm-hmm. and on uh, Rock and Roll Express. So they brought him in for those. Dell is so busy because he was doing Rochelle, he was doing Nikolai, but he also does still does animation work. So I pick him and bring him on you know, projects here and there. He does the Killer Bees, he did Rocky Johnson, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully I can get him in to do Terry Funk for me. And then we've kind of used it, you know, I don't know if you know, do you know Javier Lugo? Yes, I do. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Well, Javier, he does some work for FemForce and AC. Yep. He came on and did the Bobby Fulton book. And then there was a young guy, guy, I don't know why it's slipping, a guy over in uh, like the Lakeland area who came in and did the Jack Swagger book and the Lanny Poffo book. And he did great work. So, you know, we kind of have a small little pool of artists that we use. And we're always open, if anybody's listening and they're an artist and want to mm-hmm. get involved, we're always open to, you know, to reviewing other portfolios and seeing if someone's a good fit to yeah. bring in. We've got so many happening that, you know, that it, it'd be silly not to be open. Yeah. I was telling Victor, um, at that Deland con, cause he's sitting next to Bill. And so I was talking to him and, uh, yeah. I was telling him about a picture he had drawn a commission he did for me, a Wolverine, like a couple of years prior. And, yeah. uh, he pulls it right out of his, his little book. He's like, was it this one? I'm like, Oh yeah, <laughs> that's it. He's like, yeah, I'd base all my Wolverine drawings on this one. I'm like, Oh, cool. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, yeah, he's a yeah, he's a great artist. Um, he was telling us about a run of books he did, uh, and he also worked on Transformers, I think, something like that. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, you find that the the as as big as the comic book industry is, it's it's still pretty small too. And a I, lot of these guys, it, it actually kind of reminds me of like wrestling. Like you go to a con, and all these artists know each other or have mm-hmm. worked for similar editors and such. And it's like getting together with the wrestlers. They've crossed paths somewhere, whether it be in WCW or in NWA territory or out in New Japan or something like that. They all know each other. Since I've started working on the uh, the AC Comics documentary, I've run into so many people locally that have just worked on Like I was in a comic book shop in Daytona Beach uh, in yeah. the middle of nowhere, and uh, they happened to have a Force bumper sticker. So I started talking to the guy about it. He pulls out scripts he wrote for, for Force years ago. And shows me an issue he did, and I'm like, oh my guy, has anyone in Florida not worked in AC Comics? <laughs> yeah, but I'll be honest, AC has been a good launching yeah. pad for quite a few, mm-hmm. quite a few successful people down down the road. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's been a, and it's been a, a, an area where artists who started off big and remained big just would come and just do a story here and there because Bill's such a well respected yeah. guy. Um, I know, you know George Perez did did some work for yep. them. Um, Eric Larson yep, is another one. Mention them, yeah, yeah, and he has like yeah, so. tons of fans. I mean, I've I've interviewed some of his super fans, and they just absolutely. Love Are you him. talking about George? Uh, Bill. Bill. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Bill's such a nice yeah. guy, really nice guy. I always enjoy seeing it. He'll be in Deland too. I don't yeah. know if he's set up at a table, but I know he said he's going to be there. Yeah, he's uh, 
because I, like I said, I'm trying to get an interview with uh, John Beatty. I've been trying to get it for like yeah. a year now. So I kind of <laughs> asked Bill to be there to kind of make sure it happens. <laughs> make sure it happens. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You need to talk to Tom Raup and have Tom tie him down. Yeah. Uh, to, to get him to agree to it, we had Cliff and Bill go over there and kind of badger him into it. That's funny. That's funny. You see how easy I am. Yeah. Yes, that it was, and it was wonderful to talk to you guys. Talk to you tonight. I I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Oh, I've I've loved it. I enjoy it. I but enjoy it. I would. Uh, I'd like to uh, just wrap up with a little uh, just B. Brian Blair story from one of the cons okay. I was at. My friend, me and my friend Carlos were there. I think it was a couple years ago. It was when he was there with you. And, yeah. And um, my friend Carlos is a big fan of his, and we happen to see him later in the lobby, and he's just sitting there eating a sandwich. And uh, my friend nudges me. And he's like, "That's B. Brian Blair over there eating a damn sandwich. Like he isn't B. Brian Blair." Like, <laughs> 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 I was just like, hysterical. "It's like the guy's got to eat, man." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I will. Uh, oh, I will end true. on that. Well, like I, but you you realize that the more you meet them, those mm-hmm. these guys are so down to earth. Yeah, you know. You know, I, I think I was like that at first when I would first meet him, you know, and it's that way with anybody, I yeah. guess you see on TV just about, you know, and then you realize, yeah, they, everybody's got it, yep. you know. <laughs> well, uh, we appreciate your time. Do you have anything that you want to plug either upcoming stuff or uh, obviously you plug the con, but uh, your social media so that people can follow you? Yeah, you can find me um, on Facebook. I mean, my regular name is just John Crowther, but I've also got a uh, writer's page. It's John E. Crowther Writer. Mm-hmm. You can also find me on uh, on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter. If you go to RochelleBettineCockroach.com, that's actually the first page I set up, and it has links. I put everything on there, but it has links to all my social media. It also has, like, uh, I put appearance dates on there so you can keep track where we are, and we have links to the different stores where uh, where my books are available to. Awesome. We really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Yep. Thanks. Well, that was an awesome interview. Yes. I, I uh, highly enjoyed that. Yeah. I um, like because we're, we're... Whoa, that was loud. Wow. Because we're comic nerds as well as wrestling nerds. Yes, so we are. It we, just works out. Yes, we, 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 we both, we're nerds in general. It doesn't yeah. really matter what they, uh, yeah, exactly. what they do. So um, we... Um, you want to go ahead and plug our stuff and we'll get out of here? Sure. Uh, Instagram, we are Top Rope Wrestling Podcast. Uh, <laughs> you can join our Facebook group. Just look up Top Rope Wrestling Podcast on Facebook and like our page and join our group. Yes, we, we do occasional chats in there and everything. Yeah. We and I will uh, let you handle the Twitter because I always mess that up. It is <laughs> Top Rope Wrestling without the G on the end of yeah. it. Uh, you can find all of the links to all of our stuff at TopRopeWrestling.com. We uh, will be out at Mayhem on Mills next Sunday. week from Sunday. Yes, a week from this Sunday. So come say hello to us and enjoy. That our- is the fifteenth, I believe, is the date of that. Yes. So we will be out there, and they're having a, a Christmas special event. Yep. So uh, so we're gonna decorate our little. Booth. We will decorate and, and see, yeah, we're we're gonna Christmasize it. Maybe we'll bring <laughs> some gifts out there. Yeah, that's cool. So uh, peace, guys. Uh, we'll get out of here. Enjoy. Enjoy the rest of your, your week. Yeah, whenever you listen to this. I mean, you can listen to it whenever. Yeah, you don't have to listen to it now.